When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. It's time to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Smash! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's time to talk about prisons this morning. There's not enough of them and the ones we do have are badly run, overcrowded and not fit for purpose. And the whole penal system is apparently creaking at the edges and is in danger of falling into an abyss. Now to add insult to injury, judges and probation staff have agreed to cut the use of suspended jail sentences because apparently there isn't enough room to lock them up if they breach their sentencing conditions. Surely the answer to this problem is pretty obvious, isn't it? Build more jails. 0344 uh, we'll be talking to the Chief Executive of the Magistrates Association to see uh, whether he agrees with me. Uh, coming up a little bit later on, we'll find out why no-one is taking sickies anymore, or holidays come to that, and why more and more people are getting trapped in interest-only mortgage nightmares. 0344 499 Oh, by the way, there's an election coming up tomorrow, in case you've forgotten. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Daisy McAndrew on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Oh, 0344-499-1000 is the number. We said we'd try and find out something about Norway for you. And apparently, um, the Deputy Regional Director of the Norwegian Correctional Service, uh, who is a psychiatrist, uh, said basically that uh, they're very proud of the way that they have uh, all sorts of different features in the Norwegian prison system, which include better training for prison staff, smaller prisons, higher staff-to-prisoner ratios, uh, and a much better um, kind of rehabilitation programme, really, than we have had here. The difficulty with all of these comparisons, though, because we had a an educational guy on the other the other week talking about how you know we compare very unfavorably to, to Norway or Finland I think it was in terms of schooling and stuff yeah. like that it's difficult to know without knowing the society that they have there whether you know they have the same problems that we have whether they well, have the course. same types of criminality that we have and, 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 and they're a much smaller country than us and as well. they don't and of course you can argue you know, sort of chicken and egg um, argument they they have much less uh, violent crime than we do. Most of the crime that they do have is theft um, or burglary or yeah. similar. But of course, you could say, well, that's because they haven't got generations and generations of violent criminals yeah. hot housed right. in unsuitable prisons. You, know, you, you can argue it both ways, but you they can. are they are doing something right. Uh, but it's interesting. This um, uh, Michael Tomlinson, who's a member of Parliament yeah. uh, for Dorset, for Mid Dorset, he's he's been out there to investigate. He's a Conservative member, so you wouldn't necessarily think he would be on that sort of liberal leading yeah. lily livered liberal like yes. myself on this right. on this matter but he was very impressed but he said there are things that we have been getting right um so apparently the norwegian um director you just mentioning um praised him on behalf of the british government to the right. health for the success of the sex offender scheme um in brixton prison so yeah. there are some things that we're getting right but i think the point is we're putting our efforts into yeah. uh reducing sex offenses and 
And yet, yeah, sex, the number of sex offences, though, uh, in, in terms of the ones that are being uh, sort of booked in, are going up. Well, then, of course, we've got the whole CPS um, yeah. fiasco on top of that. So mm. I think that is skewing. I mean, the, the trouble the is, the more we have these conversations about different parts of the economy and different parts of the government, the more you realise that it's all basically falling apart. That is the massive problem we're facing with here. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Let's go speak to the for yourself. Talk to Jack in Belfast. Hello, Jack. Hi, guys. How yeah, are you hi. doing? Very well indeed. What would you like to say? Yeah, I was, unfortunately, a, a number of years ago, kind of worked out when. Okay. Um, I was shot. Sorry, I'm just going to have a little cafe here. I'm just going to be really, um, I found myself in Feltham Young Offender Centre up in, near Heathrow, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was, I, I was innocent, but anyway, I thought it was a matter. I was there for a couple of weeks. And I ended up in a cell with a young gentleman. And he was just a lost cause, really. But within the two weeks, basically, he told me how to steal every car. And, that you, you know, how, how you could. Not that I would, but yeah. he had told me that. But also how these people were treated. You know, these are young, vulnerable men. They were 23 hours a day. You were locked up. You got out for your breakfast in the morning, your yeah. lunch, then your dinner. You had one shower a week in a massive room with maybe 100 people. And then you go one hour of exercise per week. Right. Now, in the, the two weeks I was there, I believe there was one suicide and a couple more. And treated, I mean, how can you treat human beings mm. like that? You know, and, and okay. were you were you more than one to a room uh, sort of thing? Just two, just okay. two. Um, it was a, it was a very modern place. They, yeah. it was, I think based on an American design. Okay, it was to stop them passing lines to each other. If you know what that means, it's mm. like have a way of passing stuff from cell to cell. Right. Um, yeah. So that was my two week experience of the the jail over in over in England. And, it just, and did it did it give you the feeling that you never wanted to go back to it though? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've always known don't want to go to jail. It's, it's just a, it's an unfortunate set of circumstances. I, I was squatting at the time. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd moved from Belfast and I had no other options, really. Right. And just I was arrested for cr- criminal damage, which wasn't. Sorry, somebody's trying to get in the loo here. <laughs> <laughs> you locked like, yourself yeah, in the loo. locked yourself <laughs> in the loo to talk to radio. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I, I mean, I take your, your point, Jack. I guess the difficulty yeah. is that... Um, and I take your point. A lot of these young kids are vulnerable, and they maybe need a better yeah. treatment. But unfortunately, they've also chosen, or at least found themselves in a position uh, to be in there. If you like, you know, I yeah. mean, they could have but made other choices as well and not gone. But, but, yeah, but but what, what the the problem there is, Mike. You know, and it's more prevalent in today's society. You know, and I know this is a bit deep, but you know, the, the big companies are not giving up. A, 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 What's, where's the incentive to work whenever your minimum wage is pathetically low and you can't get yourself out of that cycle of debt week by week by week because you're not getting paid enough money? But that's not a justification you, for committing crime, Jack. No, no, but if you could see how people could be driven that way, if you know what I mean. I'm, not making, I'm, well, not, I'm really not trying to make excuses, but... 
Jack, I'm fascinated that you used this phrase lost cause, which I think is really powerful and is absolutely accurate. Um, You know, unless a lot of effort is put into these kids, they are a lost cause. And a huge number of them in places like Feltham are illiterate. They can't read. They can't write. They're ashamed of that. They've gone from a gang background. It's the only place where they felt they had any male role model. You know, we all know what the the problems are. And you are handing over to to the state the care of these, and in a place like Feltham, they are kids, and they need a yeah. huge amount of work put into them to turn them around if they're ever going to have any life chances. And it's, well, it's just do, too but, much. Well, they do, but also coming back to what Mike's right as well, because, I mean, I have no male role model, you know, but I didn't decide to go down a route of criminality, you know, but I could maybe something in me showed me, look, if you work hard, you will succeed in life. Yeah. You know, so there's that. There's the two yeah. flip sides of the story, isn't there? There are, and I think also you have to take everything in the round and you have to look at the way that some people live and the way that some societies yeah. in this country uh, operate yeah. and the way that some communities yep. operate. And, and you can bet your bottom dollar that most of the offending that goes on in this country is from certain places and certain levels of society. Now, I'm not blaming, you know, any one particular thing there. I'm just saying no, that it's, is, a, it's a truism is... to say that, you know, that crime is coming from mostly it's the a, same places. It is a truism, and it's also and it's, another, it's another cliche, but it's a vicious circle, and yeah. In a lot of these places, you know, they, you have on the one side, you know, joining up the gang of kids who are from a similar background to you, who you know have the trainers and you know and have some respect, or exactly. uh, not not even a dead end job, no job at all. Because I mean, I, I did stories about dyslexia when I was working on a penal reform. The rates of dyslexia um, in young kids that goes unnoticed, that ends up with those kids being ashamed and truanting because they hate school, because they feel mm. that it's not for them because they can't achieve anything they leave school having truanted for the last two years not only with no qualifications but without being able to read or write and suddenly you've got a 15 year old who's already destined to not achieve not get a job not be a vital or useful member of society and the number of those kids who end up in places like Feltham and then end up as a lifetime of crime are huge statistically my my, my uncle actually interestingly he was the governor of Risley, they called it Grizzly Risley, right. um, Roman Centre, and he was a real reformist. He, he, wanted, he was all about um, rehabilitation, but he couldn't. He, just, he, just, he was hitting his head against the wall. Nobody would listen. Yeah. You know, in government, they just, um, he, he was very unfortunate. He, well, that's a long story. He ended up yeah. in Reading, but he actually passed away there right. when he was. I mean, aside, aside from Redding. aside from the, the, I mean, Daisy's saying obviously that it's much better in Norway. The, the, the you know recidivism rates are much smaller. But I mean, from your perspective of having been inside one of these places, Jack, for two weeks, yep. do you get the sense that people there would have somehow behaved better when they came out if they'd been treated better? I mean, how, how would you get that sense? I, I, I absolutely, Mike, hundred percent. You, you treat people like that. Of course, they're, you know, you're treating them marginally better than. I'd say there's some. I don't know. That sounds terrible. I'd say there's some animals are well, yeah. sort of like a puppy farm. You know, in a way, it's just what do, what do you expect when you've got young males, lots of testosterone. And they've been caged, you know. Uh, something's got to give, you know. 
and of course you're going to be influenced by your peers. Yeah, but you? I mean the other re- the other thing, the other reason I would have to let you go, Jack. But thanks very much indeed for the call. Very appreciated. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. The other reason that they're in there though is because they might be harmful criminals. I mean, it could be that you know the the the, well, the streets of London or Liverpool or Manchester or Glasgow or whatever are safer because they're in there. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Daisy McAndrew is here as well, of course. 03444991000. Uh, I can say with some confidence that I have never used a dating app. Uh, I don't know whether you can. Well, I think we're we're both too old. Too I'm old. Afraid, I'm afraid. I absolutely too set in our ways. When I, I mean, I was single for a long time in my twenties, yeah. and I would have used them, but they weren't around then. I no, mean, I'm forty five, nearly forty six, so I'm just the wrong generation. But I'm always encouraging friends who are single to go on them because but they, I mean, there are people they always who say, are... "Well, you didn't do it." And I was like, "Well, I could, I would have if I could have." <laughs> yeah, but there are people of our age as well. I know. Sorry, I say our age loosely, obviously, because I'm not as young as you, but um, who are getting divorced maybe, and then suddenly having to find themselves a new yeah. partner or looking for a new partner and so they use them we're going to talk to Nadia Essex uh, who is of course our our friendly dating expert here at the Independent Republic uh, and the host of Celebs Go Dating Nadia very good morning to you good morning thank you very much indeed for joining us once more it's been a while since we've spoken Um, Facebook and I don't know whether this is partly due to the fact that a lot of people have kind of been turned off Facebook recently because they don't like the fact that they're doing all sorts of terrible things with our data and our information Uh, but they've now decided they're going to take on Tinder and launch their own dating service yeah, I mean, truthfully, I actually don't have Facebook anymore. Really? Because, well, I find Facebook the most negative of all social media mm. in terms of people just overshare so much. It's like they forget that it's actually the internet. <laughs> and so I found that I knew every single thing about people I went to school with who's having an affair with who, what somebody ate for breakfast. Who, you know, I knew everything. And I was like, you know what? I just don't need to know this information. And, so I deleted it a couple of years ago. And I tell you, I've never looked back. But when you say overshare, I mean, you don't literally mean people are saying, I mean, obviously people aren't saying they're having an affair on yes. Facebook. or Well, they might yeah. be. But none of my friends are telling me maybe they're not having affairs. <laughs> maybe they're not having affairs. A girl I went to school with put a full rant on Facebook about how her husband was living a double life. This is his name. This is the wife. This is what's happening. Oh I knew everything. I knew one other girl's period date. I knew everything. And I just don't need to know. That, you know, I'm perfectly fine without knowing this yeah. information. Well, this is one of the things that, that people are maybe concerned about as far as the Facebook dating thing goes. Because if you are on Facebook, you do tend to know an awful lot more about the person you're reading about or your friend or your work colleague or whatever. And if you're going to, say, go on a date with somebody who's on Facebook, you're going to look them up, aren't you? You're going to look at all their old photos. Oh. You're going to look at what they've written about before. It's going to be an even more kind of there's another layer of complication, if you like. Yeah, and one thing I say to my clients when they go on a date is do not Google them yeah. because you create a, a complete person in your head and you will always be disappointed because the person isn't who you've created. Right. And, you know, you can do a little Googling after maybe the second or third date if you want some more information, but it's better to go in blind, let that person prove to you and show you who they are rather than create a character because what you put on social media is not real life. It just isn't. And I just fear, I think, one, it's very clever. I think after all the privacy scandal, what a clever way to get all their Facebook users going, oh, actually, you know, let's forget about all what they're doing with our data because I could meet love. Yeah, right. Uh, and also, you know, there might be those people on there saying, well, let's see whether anybody that I know, i.e. my boyfriend or girlfriend, are actually trawling Facebook looking for somebody else. Absolutely. And that's one of the biggest problems. And it's just going to end up being a hookup site. Like no one's going to actually take it seriously. Let's be honest, it's Facebook. So 
it's just another app and it's it's just another reason that is going to make people who don't like dating apps like myself feel like lost because they don't they feel like there's no other way believe me there's another way there are thousands and thousands of eligible men and women all in bars and restaurants all up and down the country scratching their head being like where is all the eligible bachelors and females and they're at home Wiping left and right in their pajamas. But you say you say it's easy. Get out there. You say it's easy to meet people in bars, but actually, the example that Mike gave, which is you know a very pertinent example these days of somebody who's perhaps had children, divorced, you know, looking for love the second time round. For that type of person, it's almost impossible to go into a bar. A, you're at home with the kids oh. half the time, and B, we'll get a babysitter. Well, B, they're, 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 they're all the wrong generation. How do you go to? If you can do it online and say, actually, I'm not looking for you know a 21 year old toy boy. I'm looking for a, a a grown-up person and so on, you're much more ch- much more likely to get it right than going in just randomly looking in a bar who half that night, they, you know, most of the people in there would be completely unsuitable for you. Absolutely not. It depends on the bar. You know, you turn up to a Weatherspoons, of course. So you go to a nice <laughs> bar with people, you know, a nice bar or restaurant. Of course, you know, it all depends. This is what I an absolute myth. People think that, like, how can going out and meeting real people, getting real chemistry with a real connection, not be the way forward? How can you cannot get chemistry over a keyboard and swiping left or right? No, no, but surely you can. You you can then get a short list of people that would at least be suitable on paper, and then you go and meet them. I mean, the friends of mine who've done it successfully have treated it as a bit of a job and have not devoted a long period of time to one person. They've like met somebody for a cup of coffee, and they within quite a short period of time they're going to know whether actually yes this person uh you know gave good email or gave good text yeah. message was witty but actually in real life had an awful voice right. well because uh, that's you what, know. because people can hide behind that, that, that can't they time. i don't have that kind of time i don't have that time i would rather put my energies and efforts going out there and meeting a real man um and finding real connection and going on real dates but so hang on so nadia do you go out well, so if you're doing that right are you going out with a group of girls or are you going out with a group of no of, of just one a, you... single wing woman only <laughs> okay you, it has to be one single wing woman men are intimidated by a big gaggle of women yeah. we are a nightmare we are loud yeah. we're obnoxious we're terrible mm. so it's one single wing woman and you go out and you're there you're not there to get drunk you're not there to have a catch-up with your girlfriend. You are there to meet men. Right. And that is your sole purpose. And you go and you meet men. And there's fabulous men out there that wouldn't dream of going online to get themselves a date. So they're out there and they, you can't find them online. And they're gems. I'm telling you, there's another way. There's a revolution coming. It's the tide is turning back the way where it's real-life connection people actually want. And where do you sit? I'm, I'm now interested in this kind of uh, strategy of yours, right? So does the wing woman have to also be looking for a man, or does it not matter? Definitely. She has to Absolutely. be. And do you, you sit, like, at the bar, or do you sit, yeah, you know... You have, to, you have to be... You can be at the bar, but your body language has to be to the room. Right. So you have to be open. Everything has to be open. If you're sitting face-to-face face with your girlfriend... Steady. Well, not everything. <laughs> no, legs closed, always. But body language is open, you're warm, you're inviting, you're letting people come in, you're not closed off. And it has to be a single wing woman because you need to both be giving off those single but what vibes. But if, what if your wing woman is much prettier than you are? Who cares? It's not a bad person, thing. Well, then all the, the, person, then, then all the guys... No. Not necessarily, so, no. Be like, no. No, 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 because some men, no, because some men would be intimidated by the pretty woman. Um, the man and... that likes 
you isn't going to fancy your so-called prettier mate. But they're going to be looking over the room making... I mean, that's something. I'm the world's worst flirt. I've never managed to flirt with anyone in my life. Well, you managed to get married. You must have done it at some point. Well, that's a whole other story, which I'll tell you another another time. But nobody ever thought I was interested in him because I was really nervous about sort of showing that I was interested because they yeah. clearly wouldn't be interested right. in me. So I never got anywhere. <laughs> yeah, but flirting yeah, is kind of overrated, isn't it, Nadia? I mean, you don't have to behave differently just because you're talking to somebody that you might like to go out with. You just talk to them the same way you would talk to anybody. That's, I mean, that's what I do. You don't suddenly well, exactly. go, oh, I now have to switch on my flirting mode, you know, like some kind no, of uh, bizarre becomes, robot. <laughs> yeah, it becomes, it becomes, and that's the thing, because we're doing so much online, human interaction has now become something really scary. Yeah. People are petrified of going out and meeting men. And that is what we all did five, ten years ago when there was no internet dating. So we've completely forgotten the school, the skills to the point now where if I'm polite, people are so unused to it, they think I'm coming on to them right. just because I have good manners. Because yeah. it's so rare that you have human interaction above and beyond a thank you, move forward in the queue, you know, swipe here and there. It, it's crazy to yeah. me. So it's about just getting back out there not being scared, getting back on the horse, they're, they're a gem up right. and down the country. Okay, now right final final question for you, Nadi. So what happens, right, when you and the wing woman are sitting at the bar and the two guys come up and you don't like either of them? What do you, you do say, then? You just turn around and say, you know what, guys, we're here on a girls' night. I'm here to catch up with my girlfriend. So um, I'd really appreciate it if you just give us a chance to chat. And what if she likes the other one? But then oh, well, surely... if she likes them, you've got to take one for the team and you sit there <laughs> and you, 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 let, you, have them, you let them entertain them for maybe five, ten minutes uh, and then you tell them the same to go away and hopefully in that time they've swapped numbers and they go away and you move on to the next people. But if you've said to those boys, you know, we're only here for a girly catch-up and they stay in the bar and you stay in the bar, they might see you chatting to other boys and know that you were... Fib- well, wouldn't it be better to who go cares? to another bar so you don't get that... Horrible. No, I, I embarrass too easily, don't I? So this is the problem. You're worried so much about what a stranger you're never going to see again after that night thinks. Who cares? Yeah. I don't yeah. care. Very good attitude, Nadia, yeah. I have to say. It's eminently <laughs> sensible advice. Thank you it so is. much. Nadia Essex, dating expert, <laughs> celebs go dating queen. And, uh, Where was she when I needed her 20, very sensible 20 years advice. ago? <laughs> I think, well, so few people have that attitude in life. I'm, I, I tend to agree with her. You know, I don't care what people think. You know, if you don't like it, sorry. You know, move no, on. I'm and I'll see you later. A wuss. I can't even send food back in a restaurant. I get too embarrassed. <laughs> You know that we have been the subject of some kind of a hoax here during this entire show. All the music that's been played, right, <laughs> has been played because it is music which is played out at Charlton Football Club. Charlton did, Athletic Football yes, Club, I should say. I did not know that. My, um, my knowledge I didn't either because I've never been to Charlton. I've got no intention of going. My knowledge of um, football songs is limited to a handful. Yes. Well, these are not. These are just the songs that they play out on the, yeah. you know, the loudspeaker while, you know, as the, before the game and all that kind of thing. Because we've got two... Not just one, but two Charlton fans behind the glass. So we've been the butt. Yeah, we've been that. the butt of their <laughs> joke. But thankfully, we're near the end now. So there's only one more song to go. So um, hopefully, we see won't if have we to can suffer get, our, through. get our own back at them. No, exactly right. Now, quite a few uh, more tweets coming in on the subject of the mortgage front. I overpaid the interest-only part of my mortgage and paid it off much quicker. Uh, says Harry's granddad. Just one hundred pounds a month over reduces the term massively. And I think that's what we're sort of learning here. It's still very, very difficult, though. I think if you uh, some people are saying, oh, this couple who uh, have found themselves in this terrible mess down in Eastbourne, 
were stupid enough to to make improvements to the house that maybe they shouldn't have taken yeah. out another loan to do. You have to be a little bit more kind of um, compassionate, I think, with with no, people because an awful lot of people do not understand complicated mortgage no, agreements. And, they and don't financial understand financial education should be the responsibility. Well, I think it should be the responsibility of the state, which should certainly have it in school yeah. curriculums, so that people don't get to the stage where they're taking out a mortgage and really don't know what they're no, doing. Exactly. Change my endowment mortgage says Nicola for a repayment twenty years ago and made the policy paid up. Up. As I worked out, I wouldn't get back what I would be putting in. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, if you took out an endowment mortgage, you're basically throwing good money after bad because you were yeah. going to be getting less money back at the end than you actually put in. You'd be yeah. better putting it in a sock, you know, which is crazy. Now, did you know, on a completely different subject, yeah. you know, we were talking about um, Facebook setting up a dating yes. uh, you know, a dating system and taking on Tinder, and the, the company that owns Tinder's shares have plummeted. No, yeah. no great surprise. Right. But did you know that in today's papers that Sheridan Smith is apparently marrying her boyfriend, who she's been dating for six weeks, who she met on Tinder six weeks ago? Is that right? Apparently so. Sheridan Smith's so in the get... papers a lot, not normally for getting married. She is. They've but, already uh... bought a dog together, apparently, oh and moved in together. This is all according to a tabloid, okay. so it obviously comes with a health warning. Indeed. But, you know, that apparently is a six-week-old six Tinder relationship. There you go. Well, we'll wish them well, but uh, I wouldn't give it a lot of hope, to be honest, knowing uh, what we do know. No. But let's talk to Tam Fry for the National Obesity Forum, because there's an extraordinary story today in the paper which came off the back of the appearance uh, before a House of Commons Select Committee yesterday uh, by Jamie Oliver and the, Hugh the Fernley Whittingstall, uh, who basically said that uh, everyone who goes to the doctor should be weighed immediately as they walk in the office. Now, I don't think a lot of people would enjoy that, and I don't think we should do it, but let's talk to Tam Fry and see what he thinks. Tam, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. I thought this was a little bit of a step too far, to be honest. It's not. And uh, let me tell you for why. If we measured... We're, we're talking both children and adults, OK? Yeah. If we measure children more regularly as they arrive at the doctors, we would not have the huge problem that we have now. I'm speaking to you from the Royal Society of Medicine, and we've been talking about this this morning. And if you measure regularly, not too much, but you you do it uh, in a specific protocol, then the chances of picking children up when they are putting on excess weight will be spotted earlier. And the same applies for adults. There used to be, at the beginning of the century, a move that all doctors should measure adults every two or three years so that they could see the same kind of thing happening. And if, they, if, the, if the parents, if the adults showed that they were putting on too, ma- too much weight, yeah. then the doctors would have well, the evidence. Well, hang on, Tom. Why don't, you, why don't you just go down to the supermarket for them, buy them the food you think they should eat, cook it for them, and then uh, watch them eat it? I mean, it's a bit ah, too much of a be- nanny state, isn't it? No, that would be no. What I what I have hoped I've explained to you would be good medicine. Uh, I totally agree with you that there's a huge amount that we have to do, uh, both in terms of people cooking and people buying healthy food from supermarkets. But that is going to be a long term. I was actually joking there, Tam. I don't think anybody Uh, should be getting involved that closely with people's personal lives. And I think if you start weighing people when they go to the doctor, they're going to start being very very reticent about going to the doctor. No, if you go to the do- if if the whole thing is uh, put in train at the right way early enough, then they will accept the advice. Because what a lot of people do not know is the terrible things that they can contract if they put on too much weight. I mean, we've had today uh, evidence from the uh, uh, diabetic people that there are 20 ap- amputations per day 
for obesity, uh, for diabetes as a direct consequence of obesity. Now, if you explain to people, if you go on and put on all the weight that you're putting on, you could have your limb amputated. That is not being nanny state. That is telling people what the prospect might be if they continue overeating. But Tam, and I'm sure that there's nobody who would ignore that advice. Tam, isn't it the truth, though, that doctors know that this would be helpful, that when they're seeing patients in their five-minute consultation window, that they should say, you know, do you mind if I weigh you or let's weigh you, let's talk about your weight. But they're so worried about being accused of fat-shaming that they don't want to do it. Well, that you're absolutely right. The problem is in the language and the way in which the doctor broaches the subject. That is crucial. But it's very difficult it to quite... do that in a very short, you know, five-minute um, window. Well, I would have to argue there because, in fact, there are two documents which have been produced by the Royal College of General Practitioners for all doctors to say, this is how you should do it. This is the language you should use. And they've done research on it, and they found that it works. The problem, however, is doctors who don't kind of... They have a set idea, and, and once they've got an idea, then they go with it, and they don't improve themselves. But the Royal College is so concerned about uh, the language which is being used with patients and doctors in this particular issue that they have actually written up papers to say this is how you should do but, it. But Tam, I've read, I've read those papers as well and, and, and it does make sense and we're told that it works in theory but as you've just said, the doctors are so stuck in their ways and so stubborn they won't do it so we're left getting no further forward. Well, what we hope to do is not, that Rome wasn't built in a day and we hope that in fact uh, doctors will, particularly young doctors going through training, mm. will actually pick up the language and use it in their practice. Uh, old people, uh, leopards don't change their spots. So we've just and got to wait for them GPs, to be so old that they retire, these doctors who are, who are, uh, who are basically ma making yeah, us fat. Make them all redundant. <laughs> Listen, Tam, thank you for your time. We've got to run. Uh, Tam Fry there from the National Obesity Forum. Uh, I couldn't disagree more uh, with Tam Fry, but unfortunately I'm not being allowed to have a big argument with him because we've got too much going on and hardly any time to do it. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.